All right, well, we have been talking about a scriptural philosophy of soul winning. And of course, it's such an important thing. Um, we talked about why we put an emphasis on personal soul winning. And then um, we looked at different types of evangelism, basically. And we talked about personal evangelism and we talked about impersonal evangelism. And so uh, we spent a good bit of time talking about the different types of evangelism last week. In particular, we, we spent a decent amount of time talking about the impersonal evangelism side of things because, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are impersonal. They're not wrong, but they're impersonal. And so I want to expand on that this week, and then we'll expand on the personal aspect of it next week. But we looked at the history of evangelism last week, and I told you that we're going to break a couple of those ideas down. And, and so I'm, I'm all for any evangelism as long as it's scriptural. Now, there is some evangelism that's not. Um, you know, they talk about some of these lifestyle evangelism and stuff. I'm not going to take time to get into those kind of things. But the real problem with any scriptural form of evangelism is that there's not enough of it. Um, we should be evangelizing the lost in any way that we can. But if the masses of people are going to come through Christ, it has to be through some human instrumentality. Some human has to be an instrument that God is going to use to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. It could be somebody that gives a tract to somebody else and they read it. Um, it could be somebody that printed that tract that somebody just happened to find laying around and read it. I mean, somebody somewhere had to get that word out, and God uses humans, human instruments to do that. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 10, you're there in verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So the Christian's responsibility is to publish the gospel. Psalm 68, verse 11. You don't need to turn over there unless you want to. But the Bible says, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Now, I don't want you to think that what we're going to talk about tonight is negative about the other forms of evangelism that we've discussed. It's not. You can, never, you can never give the gospel in the wrong way to the wrong person if you're actually giving the gospel. You can't give it to the wrong person. You can't, you can't uh, disseminate the gospel in the wrong way uh, for the most part. They're not negative because you can never share the gospel with the wrong people, but they're limited. And that's number one. Impersonal evangelism is not negative if it's done right, but it is limited. Uh, so... What I want to discuss with you tonight, really, for us to understand a little bit more of why we do personal evangelism, um, is so that we can, let me, let me back up. In order for us to understand why we emphasize personal soul winning, I want to show you some of the limitations of impersonal soul winning. And so, we're going to look at some of those things tonight. Number one is this, impersonal evangelism cannot win the world to Christ. Impersonal evangelism cannot win the world to Christ. You'll never get everybody to, to attend a crusade event, for example. Uh, uh, Billy Graham was obviously probably, probably one of the best that's ever put on a crusade. Hundreds of, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, came to Jesus Christ through Billy Graham crusades over the course of his whole ministry. And I'm not saying that what Billy Graham did was wrong by any stretch. There's been many, many people who have, who, have, who have come out of those crusades after getting saved that went on to become pastors and missionaries and, and won many, many more people to Jesus Christ. My father-in-law was one of those. He got saved in a Billy Graham crusade down in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I'm thankful that Billy Graham did those crusades because he never would have gotten saved more than likely if it were not for that. 
So I'm not saying that those things are wrong, but you'll never get everyone to attend a crusade. You can invite the entire world. Not everybody's going to come to a crusade. You cannot get everybody to enroll in Sunday school. Talked about that as being one of the forms of impersonal evangelism. You'll never get everyone to listen to, to watch, to read gospel media. So let's just let's take the idea of enlistment evangelism, for example, where you go out, you invite people to come in, you try to get them to come to some certain event, um, and then give them the gospel that way. The average, and I'm going to read through some of these things because I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but this is very interesting. The average gospel-preaching church wins one out of five people that they actually enlist. So let's just say we have a big day, Friend Day, for example, all right? We invite people to come to Friend Day. One out of five people that comes is going to end up getting saved by the statistics. Now, obviously, that could change. God could do a work and, and all of those different kind of things. But just on average, one out of five people that comes because they were enlisted to come get saved. Now, the church wins only about one out of 240 unsaved people in the community that they don't enlist. That could be by somebody giving a track out, somebody, um, you know, just happened to come to the website and see the gospel on the website, something like that. Um, so the emphasis is placed on enlisting more people, right? If, if only one out of 240 get saved that you don't enlist, and one out of five get saved that you do, well then, hey, let's go enlist more people. Let's get more people to come to church, right? One out of five people. But the simple truth is that they may refuse to be enlisted. How many times have we knocked on doors? How many times have we invited people to come to church that never came? I know that I've got hundreds of people, and that's not an exaggeration, that I've invited out to church that never came to church. And that's not just the people who said, no, I'm not coming. That's the people who said, yes, I'll be there on Sunday, right? <laughs> People just don't come because they can get enlisted, but for whatever reason, they don't show up. 97% of people invited do not attend. Don't we know that to be the truth? 97% of people that are invited to church never come to church. Think about it this way. In Henrico County, there are about 350,000 people. All right, and that doesn't count Goochland. I mean, we're right on the border of Goochland here. doesn't count anybody else that we're close to, even Powhatan. Henrico County itself, 350,000 people. So if we were to invite the entire county and 3% of those people responded, that gives us 10,500 people that we've enlisted. That's if we were to invite the entire county and 3% of them came. 10,500 people would show up at church. We win one out of those five according to those statistics. And so that means that out of those 10,500 people, we win 2,100 of them to Jesus Christ. 2,100 out of the entire county of 350,000 people. Let's say that our methods are really good and we can double those numbers. It still means there are 345,900 people in Henrico County that never come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because number one, we were enlisting them to come to church and they never came. And if they did come, only one out of five accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That sounds about right. If, we were, if, we were more, uh, if there were more than 4,100 people attending church in a genuine gospel preaching church in Henrico County on Sunday, I'd be surprised. Um, and, and so, you know, there are, there are it, it, let's just say there were 4,100 people who are Christians in Henrico County. What are they doing to try to bring people to Jesus Christ? Enlisting more people to come to church? What are they doing? And so most of this county is going to end up never having known Jesus Christ as their Savior. The vast majority of churches in this area have no plan to go out and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
not even, they're not even, they're not enlisting people. They're not out there trying to get the gospel to people. They're not even enlisting people to, to come to their programs or to attend their services. Um, you know, and I'll be honest with you, there's, there's, there's people that I've talked to and know personally that have no idea what evangelism even is because they've never done it. They've never heard of it before. So you can't tell me that there's churches everywhere that are preaching evangelism and, well, they're just, we're just having a hard time getting people to come in. Most churches are not even eva- trying to evangelize. They don't even have a plan to evangelize this area right. or their area, I should say. But if we're talking about this area, then this area. And I'm not saying that we should stop enlistment evangelism. It does reach people. It helps people by, it gives them fellowship and, and teaching them the Bible, but it cannot reach the world. By statistics alone, we're going to reach so few people trying to enlist them to come to church. And that's why, that is why I'm so adamant about making sure that we're not just inviting people to come to church, but we're inviting them to come to Christ. Inviting people to come. It's all well and good to invite the lost to church. They're going to hear the gospel here, but it's so much better to invite them to Jesus Christ. Because look, one out of the five people that finally comes, and that's only the 3% that do that are invited, one out of those five only is going to be saved. That's it. Uh, Chances are a whole lot better that somebody's going to get saved by us talking to them one-on-one and working with them one-on-one than they will just showing up at church. So impersonal evangelism cannot win the world to Christ, but also impersonal evangelism is limited in its ability to make sure that the gospel is clearly understood. Every unsaved individual is trusting in something. They might be trusting in their works. They might be trusting in Buddha. They might be trusting in, you know, who knows what, but they're trusting in something, and we have to demolish the trust in that Help them understand that they deserve to die and go to hell, and then help them to trust Christ. But the problem is, each individual is different. They're different in their understanding of words and phrases. They're different in their uh, understanding of terms. They're different in, in which illustration is going to bring clarity to the gospel for them. They're different in, in their concerns and questions and hangups. They're different in uh, which verses and passages are going to help them to understand the gospel. Every person is different. And that's, number one, that's why it's important that we understand the gospel ourselves and know the verses in the Bible that will help lead somebody to Christ because you can't just take somebody down the Romans road and that's it. Not everybody's going to understand that. I've talked with Nitin a few times about some of the guys that he brings to church. They don't, even under, they don't even know who Jesus is, let alone that they need him, right? Because they've never been taught that before. All they know is about idols and gods and everything else in a lot of situations. So... We get somebody to come to church, and they're sitting in here hearing the gospel, and they have no idea what the gospel is that's being presented to them because they don't even know who Jesus is or why he's important to them. And so the unsaved cannot ask questions that he doesn't understand or agree with, and the soul winner can't ask questions to probe and understand where he's at in his understanding of of the gospel either. And so if, if it's just enlistment evangelism, somebody sitting out there in a crusade event or somebody sitting in church, they're never going to have, they might have all kinds of questions that we have no idea that they even have. And they may walk away having not understood the gospel because they come from a completely different background or they, they come from a completely different set of circumstances or whatever else. So impersonal evangelism is limited in its ability to make sure that the gospel is being clearly understood by the people that are hearing it. Here's another one. Number three is that mass evangelism cannot be sustained. Um, 
This is number seven on your list. Mass evangelism cannot be sustained. You can get a crowd on a big day. Christmas Sunday, you can invite a bunch of people. A lot of visitors could come in. But you cannot guarantee that that crowd's going to come back. You know, you, can't, you, you can get a crowd on a big day, but you can't have a big day every week. Number one, the church people are not going to work as hard as they would for one big day every single week. And number two, it just doesn't become, as, it's not as special anymore if you're doing a big day every Sunday. And so it just, it cannot be sustained. It can't work that way. But what was the testimony of the early church? Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47, the Bible says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So how was that happening? Obviously, Acts chapter 2 is where we see Pentecost taking place, and 3,000 people get saved, they get added to the church, and then those people are growing, and more people are being added to the church. There's only two ways that that's possible. You can either have a church that's large enough to have programs and niche events every single day, or you have to have a church filled with people who are personal soul winners, witnessing to the lost around them every day. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Didn't say weekly. Didn't mean that every Sunday they were having people get saved. It means they were going out and they were winning people to Jesus Christ. The first possibility of, you know, having a church large enough to have programs and niche events that we talked about last week every single Sunday or every single day of the week requires just a massive church and a massive budget. Uh, and the second, and beyond that, there's no emphasis on, on a church size in Scripture. Um, we kind of get an indication on some of these churches, like the church at Jerusalem and others that were bigger, but there's never any indication of how many people were attending these churches uh, because the emphasis is not on numbers. So the second, then, must be the real key, meaning that we've got to get out. We've got to talk to them about Jesus Christ. We've got to invite them not just to church, but to invite them to Christ. Here's the fourth thing that is a limitation on impersonal evangelism, and that's that the individual Christian cannot participate. The individual Christian cannot participate. Turn over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You can and you do invite people for big days, for big events. Christmas Sunday, you invited people, you know, um, uh, we're having this friend day. Hopefully you are inviting people. But I'm the only one that gets up and preaches, right? Uh, you can and you do invite people to come to Sunday school, but most of you don't teach. But every single one of us is called to be a soul winner. So if all we're doing is impersonal evangelism where you are inviting people to church, then you are not getting the message of the gospel to the people who need to hear the gospel. And you're not participating in the Great Commission. Because you're not giving them the gospel specifically. The Bible says in John chapter 15 and verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go, for, go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. This was not written to pastors. This was written to Christians. He said very clearly, You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. What is the fruit that he's talking about? All over in the Bible, we hear that the idea of fruit that a Christian produces is other Christians coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, on top of the fact that we ought to be living like Christians and acting and looking and everything else like Christians should act and look, right? But the thing is, 
when we're dealing with impersonal evangelism where all we're trying to do is get people to come to a specific Sunday or get people to come to a specific program or something like that, then we are not going out and getting fruit ourselves. Now, and that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't want you to think that this is wrong, that, oh, I can't invite people to church because that's not fruit. No, you should be inviting people to church. But, but the point that I'm trying to emphasize here is that we shouldn't just be inviting people to church, shouldn't just be inviting people to programs. We should be inviting people to Christ. That's how you produce fruit, by seeing other people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Inviting someone to church is not witnessing. And the, and the sad thing is that so many people think that that's what it is. They go out and knock on doors, and they give them a person a track, and they say, we're out here inviting people to church. Do you have a church that you go to? Right? How many people have done, I've been visiting with, not necessarily people in our church, but many times I've been out knocking on doors with people, and that's what they say. You have a church that you go to? We're out here inviting people to church. All right, well, I'm not trying to take you away from your church or whatever else, you know, but come visit us if you get a chance. Right? That's not witnessing. That's inviting people to an impersonal event. It's inviting somebody to church. And again, if they come to church, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the gospel. But that's not witnessing. That's inviting somebody to a niche event, to a program, hoping that they might hear the gospel, hoping that they'll clearly understand it, hoping that they'll get saved, and hoping that they'll be that one out of five people that comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because they came to church. Witnessing is one person talking to another person about his need for Jesus Christ. That's what real witnessing is. And with the view of bringing that person to a decision. And that cannot be done by Christians through mass evangelism. That cannot be done through enlistment evangelism. That cannot be done through media evangelism. That can only be done through personal, one-on-one evangelism. Not only does impersonal evangelism limit that individual Christian from obeying the call to be a soul winner, it also limits their personal spiritual growth. We talked about that being one of the, one of the reasons why we emphasize personal soul winning. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. But one of the reasons is it helps you grow as a Christian. Because if you're trying to lead somebody to Christ, number one, it's going to change how you act because you know that that person is not watching you because you claim to be a Christian. Number two, you have to study the Bible because you have to know how to tell somebody how to be saved. It, it, it grows you personally. And if all you're doing is inviting to somebody to come to church, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Again, good. We should be inviting people to church, but more than that, we should be inviting them to Christ. Not only does it limit us being a witness for Jesus Christ, but it also limits our personal growth. Here's number five. Impersonal evangelism has driven the church to worldliness. Impersonal evangelism has driven the world, uh, sorry, driven the church to worldliness. The numbers that I've mentioned uh, a little bit ago are not unknown to most pastors, to most evangelists, to most people who are trying to get people in. So what we see is that People who are, are visionary, people who are conscientious, are going to do whatever they can to try to get more people to come to the church. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I don't want anybody else. We should be winning them to Christ. We should be winning them to Christ, but if the only thing they'll do is come to church, then let's get them to come to church. But that should be after they've heard the gospel from you. So instead of focusing on taking their church into their community, what happens is they focus on how they can get a greater percentage of the community into the church. You see the difference? 
The church should be going into the community to win people to Jesus Christ, but what they're doing instead is trying to get more of the community into the church. What that does then is it says, we got to do whatever we can to get more of the community into the church. And I think you see where I'm going with this. You can only invite so many uh, people so many times, so their solution has, has been to try to motivate people to attend their church. How do you, do, how do you motivate a carnal Worldly man, Christian or lost, uh, to attend church, well, with carnal, worldly things. And that's why we're seeing so much of the non-denominational crowd in particular, but even Baptist churches, even those who would claim to be independent Baptist churches, moving into this idea of, well, we got to have a full-out rock band to try to get people to come. Otherwise, they won't come. But look what happens. They come and they hear Jesus, which most of the time they're hearing an adulterated version of the gospel. But number two, how is getting somebody to come to a carnal, worldly concert pulling them out of the world to get them to Jesus Christ? You're not giving them any different option than what they could do by going down to Innsbruck and listening to a concert that comes in there. What's the difference? And now what happens once, they, once you have kind of worn that thing, which is exactly what's happening, well, everybody knows they can go to church and hear a concert at church, so now you've got to do something even greater and more carnal and more worldly to get them to come in. So now they've got these dance clubs and all kinds of these other things that are going on in church. It's hard to even call it a church because most of them are not even that. But you've got to get more worldly and more carnal to try to draw that crowd and attract that crowd. And so impersonal evangelism has actually driven the church to worldliness. They want, their, you know, they want to reach their city, they say. They want to reach the unchurched. And maybe their motive is right. They're trying to reach the lost, but their philosophy is completely wrong. Their, their philosophy is get the unchurched into church. That's a completely wrong philosophy. Fine if the unchurched come to church, but their method is wrong because it leads to worldliness. And here's, here's the last statement that you have there as number 10, but this is so important. As long as we view our county or our city as unchurched instead of unsaved, then we're going to focus on getting them to church instead of getting them to Christ. And that's exactly what's happened with so many churches in our area. They see this area as unchurched instead of as unsaved. They're not saved. That's the problem. The problem is not that they just don't go to church. No, of course they don't go to church because they're not saved. And the longer they go unsaved, the longer they're going to go unchurched. Just getting them into church by whatever means necessary does not mean that we bring them to Christ. Oh, there might be a few that come in that get saved because we did whatever we had to do to get them into church. But the important thing is, as long as we view them as unchurched instead of unsaved, then they're going to stay that way. And we're going to focus on getting them to church instead of getting them to Christ. And, and pragmatism. Pragmatism is the idea that the methods don't matter as long as we're seeing results. Pragmatism will drive us to increasingly carnal means of attracting lost men to church in order to reach more of them and get more of them to come to church. Pragmatism matters. The ends do not justify the means. We have to do it the way that Christ says we should do it. And if, and if we're dancing around the stage and rocking out every Sunday, and, you know, here's, here's a, a, a very interesting thing. Uh, Claude, we just did the um, memorial service for him 
last Saturday. And he was involved with the Salvation Army for a long time. And the Salvation Army, they were a church. Um, their, their goal really was to get out into the, into the community, uh, at least at the beginning. It, and it's kind of strayed even further away from that than it was in the 60s and 70s when he was involved in it. But he ended up leaving the Salvation Army. And the reason why he left the Salvation Army was because he said, Fridays and Saturdays, the pastors and the people who were in charge were out there drinking and partying and doing everything else and then coming in and preaching on Sundays. And he said, that's not right. You're either a Christian on, on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, or you're not a Christian at all. And he left, which is, I think is a tremendous testimony to, to, to his own salvation, right? But that's exactly what it is. You have these, these people who are just absolutely worldly living and then coming in and trying to present something that is different than what the people who are living Monday through Saturday, you know, not, not even knowing Christ are living. And you can't have it both ways. And, and that, quite frankly, honestly, is one of the main reasons why impersonal evangelism does not work. It, it pushes the church to worldliness because we are doing everything we can not to get people to Christ, but to get people to church. And I think that, that, that Christianity as a whole has honestly made that huge mistake for such a long time. Well, let me invite you to church. Come to church with us. Fine. But it should only be after you've already told them how they could be saved. And maybe they get saved at their door. Maybe they get saved, you know, friends or family or whatever else. Maybe they get saved because you, you led them to Christ. And maybe they don't. And if they, come to, if they come to church and they hear it in a different way, they can get saved at church. But we need to be going into the community to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not bringing the community to church hoping that there'll be one out of five or there'll be that 3% that eventually comes to church and then that one out of five of those 3% who come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We're missing huge opportunities because we're not giving people Christ. We're giving people invitations. And that's not the way that it should be. That is not what witnessing is. That's not what evangelism is. Again, if we have a huge event and people come to it and somebody gets saved, great. And that's why I say we shouldn't stop impersonal evangelism. But impersonal evangelism is nowhere near as effective as personal evangelism. One person telling another person how they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Personal evangelism is what works. And I hope that we put some more of an emphasis on personal evangelism instead of on impersonal evangelism. And by that I mean don't just invite people to church. Invite people to Christ. They're not unchurched, they're unsaved. If they get saved, guess what's going to happen? More than likely, they're going to come to church. It might take a little while, but they'll come. Because if they're truly saved, then the Holy Spirit's going to work in their heart and get them to come to church, and then they'll be part of the church who can go out into the community and win more people for Jesus Christ. Impersonal evangelism is fine. It works to a certain extent, but it's limited. And so we're going to talk next week about personal evangelism and why it's so important. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for a group of people who is concerned about the lost. And I don't think there's any way that we can say it other than that this church is concerned about the lost. But I pray that you'd help us to be motivated to not just try to get people to church, but to try to get them to Christ. This community is not unchurched. They're unsaved. And I pray that you'd help us to see more and more and more of them get saved because we are willing to go out into the community and tell them about Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd help us to see many, many people come to know you as their Savior because we put a renewed emphasis on personal soul winning.
in this church. Pray that you'd send us away from here with your blessing. We thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.